Welcome to the intro. I'm Josh Anderson. I'm Bob Galen. And Bob wants to give everybody the bird. I want to give you the bird. It's Thanksgiving time. It is two, we're recording this on Tuesday before Thanksgiving Day. And I want to give you the boiled bird, the fried bird, the <laughs> baked bird. I'm going to do a smoked bird. So, Josh, you were talking about a smoked bird? Yeah. Or for, for you old fashioned, old school people, the dirty bird or the. <laughs> <laughs> I should have known somehow we end up in a situation like that. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, so that's our that's our intro. We really don't have anything else to talk Just about. Just happy holidays yeah. and and be uh and in all seriousness, I'm thankful for the Medicast. I'm thankful for the listeners. Josh and I are both I can't speak for him, but for myself, I'm thankful for you all. I hope you have a nice Thanksgiving uh period. This may come out after Thanksgiving. Yeah, it definitely but hopefully will. you had a good one. Yep. All right. On to the episode. Uh, that's it. That's it. On to the what's it? Let's give him a teaser. Come a on, teaser. Let's teaser. Let's give, oh, okay, give him sorry. a wing. Uh, give him a drumstick. Give him something. Okay. Yeah. What uh, so we got a question from a um, frequent stream, a loyal viewer. stream viewer. Yeah, Lori Blue has been there from the start. She can't always be there live, but she watches them after the fact. Always has. Great oh my goodness! For me. Fantastic. I know. So she um, sent in an idea for us to talk about the things people aren't talking about. Cool. Yeah. All right. So on to the episode. Thank you, Lori. We really appreciate it. Welcome to the Metacast. I'm Josh Anderson. And I'm Bob Galen. <laughs> don't, don't forget we're recording an episode. Yeah. So for those of you that uh, may not have uh, been online, we are recording this while we're also live streaming. So we're trying something new. Bob and I have been live streaming for an hour and 10 minutes on my Twitch channel. And now we're trying to, while we stream, also do a Metacast. Yeah. All right. So, cool. we're, so we're pioneering some new ground. We're going to hopefully make it work. So so Welcome. And then we have a we have a, a phoned in request. We do a request so, topic from Lori Blue, a, a common participant in our Twitch stream. She she sends something in asking us about if we had to write a white paper around what questions people aren't asking that they should be asking about Agile. What are they? So you think about the things that people often get distracted with and focus on, but what are the things they should be focusing on? that they haven't been. So the things that maybe are that secret sauce piece that are the things that allow teams to really accelerate and really become that high powered, high, high performing team. So that's the topic for today. And we're going to go get that party started. So Bob Galen has some ideas. No, no, Josh, you got to kick it. Yeah. You got to kick it off. You got to kick it off, babe. Oh, okay. All right. Why did you have to go to the bay? I had to go to the bay. Like you, everything was fine, and then you had to yeah, throw. Come out on, babe. Come on, just throw it in there. Put it in. You know the good thing is it wasn't baby cakes. It wasn't. I reserved, right? It may be. It may be coming though. Come what on. Is, oh, what do you got? You've been sitting there quiet for five minutes, and now you're I've been mad at me about I'm not, not mad, going fast enough. But I want to. I want to honor you and give you you're your so space. Full of crap. That is the give most, you your space. No one buys that. No one That's, buys that. Okay, so. I will get Kane. The thing that I believe to be what I refer to as the connective tissue, the thing that allows teams to be really effective is 
PSI planning or PI planning, if you know the safe world. And what that is, to me, the reason I call it connective tissue is so many people have their sprint plans and their backlogs. Everybody's got that. Cool. Good. We're doing our thing. Everybody has a roadmap of the things that the company wants to do in the next 6, 12, 18, 24 months. Right? Everybody has that view of the things that are out there. What people struggle with so often is having a process and a way to facilitate things from coming off the top of that roadmap and migrating their way into their sprint backlog. So the thing that I use to solve that problem is what I call PSI planning, just because that's how I learned about it when I went to my, my, my safe training. And what we ended up doing is every month we forecast out the next six sprints. So those things that are six sprints out, they are coming off the top of the roadmap. So you're, you're saying release planning. should We should be asked more. People should be thinking more about forecasting, right. look ahead. Doing it more often, having an actual process in place, having having a way for stories to matriculate. That's the big word for the day. Yeah. Okay. To matriculate from the roadmap and these big epic boulders that so are you out mean, there. So you mean the fog? I do mean the fog. And – having them work their way onto your sprint backlog, okay. but not having it be, okay, it's on your sprint backlog, go figure it out now. Right. The thing that that PSI or release planning or whatever you want to call it gives you is it allows you to take time and look at the things that are coming at you instead of waiting until they're smacking you in the face. So I don't think enough people focus on doing that. They get so focused on what's my sprint backlog and then, oh, maybe I have a roadmap, maybe I don't. But you've got to find a way to facilitate things in a consistent, sane manner coming from your roadmap and getting onto your sprint backlog and not having that just-in-time planning. Because that's where so many people get stuck and get in trouble is, okay, crap, oh, we finished that sprint. What's next? Let me pull that thing off of the roadmap. And it's the first time I've seen it. And we've got to figure it out. Right. And now there's 10 things we don't know, and I wish we had time to go do the research to really nail that down, but we don't. Right. Because we haven't been spending the time and energy. So that's that that next level thing that I think enables people to um, have that success that they want and, and get to real predictability. And the predictability is enabled by the fact that you have some visibility into what's coming your way and not you're always reacting. So that's that that's that thing that I wish people would spend more time focusing on. Um, but for some reason, they 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 get. They think they can claim victory when like, hey, we got a backlog right. and there's items right. there. But you've right. got to find a way to feed and funnel things into Right. That. So like the continuous conveyor belt thing yeah. right. or something like that and really feeding that. I mean, one of the things I was I was making a list of ideas. I don't know if they're all valid, but the one the first one I came up with is I don't think we get enough inside job inquiries. Like we we get a lot of external, what do I do to the team? My team my team sucks. How do I fix them? Or how do we tactics like estimation? What's the best way to estimate? And and I wish in the white paper that more people were self-reflective and they looked inside themselves and said, I wish there was more reflection. Like, what do I need to? So instead of what do I do to people mm -hmm. or what do I do to this situation? What do I do to myself? Where's a good place to start? So we rarely, I don't think we get a lot of like learning you know, I wish people would be more yes. reflective on learning, more reflective on me. What are my strengths and what are my weaknesses? 
We got one in the stream just before this, like right. imposter syndrome, but that's rare. Mm-hmm. That that was thoughtful. That was a rare to me. That was a rare sort of most most of the inquiries or sort of tactical or how do I work on them. There's this notion in agile of you start with yourself first, mm-hmm. right? That our agileness is not an ex- an outside job. It's an inside job first. So it's inside first, outside later. And I don't know if I I don't know if we get a lot of that's like, an interesting point. That, like, like what what as you sit there and explain that, I start thinking about the coaching that I'm doing, and I don't push that enough with the people I'm coaching. And it's interesting because I can look around and and see the people that are doing that, and you're like, oh, okay, they're going to be just fine. Like right. you can look and see who's naturally doing that. Richard Core receives the feedback. Richard Core, yeah. you work with him at Dude. Yeah. He's an inside. I mean, he's an outside. He's. I'm not pigeonholing him, but Richard Core is self-reflecting, mm-hmm. right? Richard. Oh, yeah. Richard Core looks at himself, and he's learning, and he's thinking, and he's considering, etc. He's inquisitive. He's curious, right? About him for himself first, and then of course he was a scrum master with you, so mm-hmm. of course he was applying that stuff. That's that. I'm just using him as an example that maybe resonates with you, but yeah. Uh, I, I I wish it was more of, again, I'm not whining or complaining about it, but to me, it's more of that inside out stuff. Like, how did we get, how, how did you get to the point where I think I could threaten your job? So if I, if I, if you were working in a company and mm-hmm. if I said, and if I forced you, if I was the, your leader and I said, Josh, uh, either I want you to drive the people to work seven by 24 or you're going to be fired. Right. I suspect you would be fired. Yeah. Right. I, I, I just, yeah. I just don't think you're going to do something that's so counter to principles that you've mm-hmm. sort of have inside yourself that you're going to do that. Well, then the question is, how did you get there? How did you become so well rounded? Mm-hmm. All right. I'm not putting you up in a pedestal. A lot of food. I got very right. well rounded with but, food. Uh, har, har. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? How yeah. did you get principled? How did you get to a state? Where you you buy into that stuff, you're not perfect. You're in this. You're in that yeah. state, and it's and it's you didn't do that from the outside. You did that from the inside. So that's the one. That's one thing I wrote down is, is sort of getting the more the reflection side of things. I, I do think that people uh, you can see people who get it or don't, mm-hmm. right? Well, and that's the thing that, as I said, I was thinking. I feel like I should do more around my coaching with that. Whereas I instinctively recognize the people that are naturally doing that. And maybe I should spend more time trying to teach and or encourage that behavior of everyone else and trying to get people to understand that that's really the secret sauce to all this instead of, well, you know, we've got, let's talk about stories. Let's talk about, you know, all those basic things. Yeah. It's like walking your talk would be another, that's the example of threatening your job is, are you, are we truly willing and able to walk our talk? Mm -hmm. Right. Maybe not a hundred percent of the time, but generally can we do that? So that's something I, I noticed is missing. Do you have anything else that I wish were, I wish were more in the white paper, more reflection, more personal reflection? And so I think it's very similar, and it's something we spent a fair amount of time in the stream talking about um, that understanding of habits and how really what you're doing as an Agile coach is you're going and across dozens, hundreds, however many people you have – you're trying, you're asking them to break new habits and build new habits. 
and getting them to understand that it takes time, effort, and energy to make that happen. And really the key thing is getting them to understand the time that's required to make that happen. Because again, so many people are, as software folks, we are used to making a code change and now everything's better. Right. But humans don't work like that. And so I've tried to focus a lot more of my time and energy on people understanding I'm asking you to go from A to B. I don't have a time machine that's going to enable you to just magically flip a switch and you've had all the learnings, you've had all the bumps and bruises and getting people comfortable with that, comfortable with the own personal change that they have to go through. So that reflection that you talked about begins to come in so they can start to reflect, but also being comfortable with others and recognizing that others are wrestling with historical baggage that they have. And they're working to shed that baggage and build some of their own new patterns based on how we operate here. So that's, that's where I've spent a lot of time and energy of late is getting people to, to understand the different paths that people are on. Right. I mean, one of the things that I, I think I'd like to, I don't know if we have leaders dialing in. So to the stream and to the Metacast, Mm -hmm. I, I think there are leaders sometimes that maybe listen in, but I think it's generally practitioners. Usually. Yeah. And so I wish more, I wish we were talking to more leaders mm-hmm. uh, because a lot of our message, I mean, if you think about, I bet if you went back through all the Metacast, yeah, right. there's probably a thread, there's something, there's a little pearl or a little action item for leaders in almost in every Metacast. And I don't know if we're, and it's not something for us. I, it's, it's more so how do we target leaders? How do we get them to listen? And maybe it's, maybe it's related to what we were talking about. They're not, they're not looking at it as an inside job. They're looking, I think a lot of leaders look at it as an outside job. I'll pay for agile. Mm -hmm. I'll read a book about agile, but I really don't have to internalize agile right in myself. Yeah. I think it's incredibly rare. It's a team's problem. It's a team's problem. Yeah. The team has to become agile. Not me. me. I'm already doing the right things. Yeah. Yeah. And there's this lack of self-awareness. Did I tell you that HBR, uh, the self-awareness survey that was in Harvard business review, Mm -hmm. they did a survey, um, it's not it's copyrighted so i can't share it i mean if you are if you're an hbr member if you're if you're listening and if you're an hbr member i can send you a link you can get it but i can't share it with other yeah. people but they did a survey of organizations and leaders and uh it was a 360 survey and so 85% of leaders felt that they were fully self-aware self-aware of their their blind spots their ability to communicate etc uh, but then when they uh, surveyed their teams, guess what the percentage was of people who were uh, – They said 85%. I'm going to say the team said 15%. You you nailed it. Yeah. The team was 15%, that they 15, so, which is indicative of the, the yeah. large gap of self-awareness, right? Yeah. Uh, so I think, I think part of the gap that we have is how do we close – and that same, I think that same gap is in communicating. Leaders think that they're great communicators, and they're not. But they don't. They're not aware of. They think they're they're straight shooters. They think they're having crucial conversations, mm-hmm. and they're not. And we've talked about that in Metacast. But it's sort of getting leaders in, and then how do we how do we get them to close that awareness gap? Well, and I'm a little bit fearful of saying this, given the argument we had in the stream about leaders and responsibility and where that lies. But I I do think leaders are in a hard position because they don't often get the feedback. They they don't. From the directions that they need. Like I think about in my path along the way, 
you've given me direct feedback. Again, I thought I was self-aware. I thought right. I was doing the right, right. thing. And then you basically said, hey, dummy, you can't do that. Like, do you understand what you're doing? Right. And I didn't even agree with it when you told me that. But I trusted you. So I'm like, all right, I'll give it a shot. And you were right. So I was, I clearly thought I was self-aware and I clearly wasn't. So right. the problem is that I think not enough leaders have enough good positive voices that are helping them or any the voices I, yeah. I would, and even teamwork like team upward yeah uh, because teams avoid it they're afraid or whatever but so the very people who complain about the lack of self-awareness aren't really contributing right and there are bad leaders right there are yeah. bad leaders who can't handle the truth but right. they're also good you know i've talked on the medicast about ralph kasuba being able to be like he could handle feedback he really embraced feedback no matter what it was he didn't right. it wasn't wasn't a question of liking it or disliking it some of it he probably didn't like initially but he would take it and consider it right mm-hmm. he would he would sort of and it goes back to what we were talking about earlier in the stream i think it was the stream where you 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 find your own way so you look for the truth in it Mm-hmm. So the fee- so you look for the truth in the feedback and then do something with the truth. Yeah, but it's hard when you don't get any feedback. When you, exactly. You know, like I like I remember. Um, so when I was at the do the CTO I worked for there, he he was giving me my annual review and he was laughing. He was like, "The last time I had a review, like I don't even remember. Like I, as a CXO, you don't get a review. You don't get feedback. You get you get input from the board of you're doing your job or you're not. So here's a raise or you're fired. Right? It's like there's just <laughs> Just the amount of feedback that's coming your way, right. unfortunately, reduces as your responsibility goes up. And it seems like your feedback should be in direct proportion to your responsibility. Absolutely, but they seem to be in the inverse, and that makes a hard job even harder. Uh, because you're not, you're just flying blind. Yeah, it'd be like flying without instruments, right? right? You just don't know what the hell's going on. To your point, the higher you go, you should. It should be in the inverse. You should be yeah. getting more because you have more organizational responsibility. Right. You have more layers, etc. But you're not getting less. But you're getting less. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. Well, like in my last job, I can remember the CEO and I had a good relationship and he talked about the loneliness of a CEO because who do you what do you go to? like the only other thing you do is find other people in your same boat and talk to them but they right. don't necessarily understand all of the intricacies of your job and your challenge of your business that you're running so that's the that's the challenge that's out there I mean I'll, I'll go back to Ralph though I mean one of the things in our relationship and he he found a few people, myself and maybe a couple others, where he could get that feedback. So yeah. I agree with you that it's a challenge. You almost have to go mine it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can do surveys. You can couple with HR departments. So I'm not I'm not super big on 360s, but that is a way of giving you generic like group based feedback or, or you know anonymous feedback. Yeah. Uh, you can have some organizations have they have business coaches. They'll actually bring in an external coach to a leader. Mm-hmm. Usually it's executive coaching, but that's another way of just giving you insights, right? And you could request that, uh, right. etc. But you, you you we have a we have a responsibility to do that. So I was thinking of of, you know, sort of um I, I again, I'd like to talk to more leaders and I'd like them to be more self-aware. Do you have any other gaps? Well, it just I'm going to ask this on on the episode and just it'll be interesting to hear some feedback folks um let us know on Twitter or email or however you want to get back to us. One of the things that's, as you started to explain that, I started to wonder, should we change the marketing of our podcast? Like, are we, 
Are we talking about leadership a lot, but we're not actually saying we are? Like, do you think it would make a difference? Do you think we'd be able to reach more leaders if we said we were an agile leadership podcast? I don't know. It's an interesting question, right? I mean, like, are I, we I, would, I wouldn't want to lose. Yeah. So I think we're. I think we provide value to whoever our listenership is because yeah. we're growing, and I. I think we're yeah. providing value. So I wouldn't want to lose. But I'd want to gain some yeah. some different perspectives. So how do we do that? And it may be as simple as a marketing. Um, maybe maybe we change the marketing, or we we don't change the name, but we change. yeah. Not only we change the name, I think we just maybe push the leadership up because, as you mentioned, it it's like you're right. Like we spend a lot of time talking about leadership responsibility and roles and ways to behave. I would love it. Like when yeah. was the last time we had a budget question? Yeah. Uh, or a uh, dealing with – I mean, we've talked about it. You've talked about it from the dude. Right. But like a CFO question, a budgeting question, a handling projects, uh, like balancing multiple contracts question. Right. You know, what I would call leadership, we, we don't get. Right. Uh, and we, we don't even go there very often. And we, mm -hmm. have, we have experience yeah. in that area. Organizational modeling. Yeah. Right. How do you set up structures and things like that? What are effective agile structures like, like team structures? Mm -hmm. We, we've hand waved around Spotify. I mean, not totally hand waved. We've talked about around it, yeah. but not in this deep way. Uh, you know, we've sort of scoffed about what hiring scrum masters, but we've never provided, you know, thou shalt hire a scrum master, find right. the budget, but we've never talked about, well, what, you know, if I have a hundred teams where, you know, I work at American Express. And I'm a leader in American Express, and I have a hundred teams, and I don't have the budget. Well, what would be effective strategies right. to move that? So, I, you know, go back to Lori Blue's original question: like, are there questions we aren't answering? You know, yeah, maybe we should. If we started to uncover some things, is trying to think about what other people are wrestling with. Like, are we doing the same thing? Do we need to? Do we need to alter the way that we're operating? So I, we can tackle that. We don't need to solve that here, but it was just something that popped in my mind as you were talking about just that lack of coverage. Yep. And maybe we're not covering another another gap that I'd like us to talk or we're not asking. You know, people aren't asking us that maybe we cover is uh, I put down no frameworks like basic things. Then I put down yeah. extreme programming, and then I put down basics principles. And so, so I think there's a high end that we were talking about, like leaders, we're, we're missing the leadership stuff, but I also think there's a low end, um, like back to basics stuff, you know, like, you know, no estimates. We might talk about no estimates or estimate techniques, but do we really get back to like the essence of estimates or when was the last time we talked about what's a, like pairing, mm -hmm. Right. Like what are some, what are the, just, just the, I'm trying to think of the right word, but it's not the, it's not infrastructure, but just some of the operational basics. Just you know, people get so focused on the ceremonies and the stories and the points and like the transparency. Blah, blah, blah. We should talk. I could see us doing an episode totally about transparency. Right. Cause I think transparency rocks. It's one of these foundational. I try to remind myself about it a lot as a coach that transparency solves a lot of things. Right. But then, well, how do we, how do we sort of encourage that? Well, then, you know, you can see that in a sprint review or a demo. Well, how do you get people in there? And then how do you show up and be transparent about that? But that to me is one of those basic, like agile manifesto, like yeah. principles, not tactics, but really low end. And then I added XP yeah, right. because we're, we don't talk about XP. I'm not, not so much of what, 
right leads to agile success is some xp 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 principles and xp practices i don't think we've ever i'm not judging this but i don't think we've ever talked about i think some of the first handful of episodes i think you swung pretty hard on some of them maybe Um, yeah but but that was 10 years ago and a hundred well you know the other thing as a coach i want to hear what you say what you think but it's a co- a lot of we were talking about imposter syndrome earlier right. and walking out right yes. sort of fake it till you make it. Another aspect of that is in my coaching, a lot of the answers are in the in in the principles. Like I come back and it's like there's a problem, there's a tactical problem. Well, what about you're not transparent, right? Or you're not trusting team trust, or there's these things that come back to like really low end principles, and I'm like, oh, what's broken is not. The tactic, what's broken is you forgot about the principle. Yeah, and the thing that I keep coming back to is where I spend a lot of my time is getting feedback loops as short as possible. And so often when I just ask that question of can we make this feedback loop shorter, then the answer presents itself. It, that's a So that's a good tactic, yeah. right? Feedback loops, whip limits. Yeah. I'm just I, I, <laughs> yeah, right. no. yeah, no, you're right. And if you were listening, there that was multi that was multi targeted. <laughs> but whip limits, uh, transparency, uh, collab, you know, pairing, the power of pairing, right? Uh, from a variety of perspectives, very very simple activities, right? right. And, and we we we've, and those are the basics. Now they surface. There's very complex sort of situations, but it, but when you peel the onion, when you ask the five whys, and you get down to why why is this happening? What's the problem? Very often in my coaching, it's the principal stuff, and folks have lost their way in the principles. Yeah. So that's another side. I think I think the gap in the white paper. I would talk more about principles. Talk more about leadership. We talked saying no. Yeah, we've talked about that a couple times. Right. Uh, but no one asked that question. But it's always like an upward, you know, it's always, it's not always, but I think like the universal no. Most common. Well, and so, so we talked about in the stream a little bit about responsibility as a leader down to the team and right. saying no. And there have been times along the way with my teams that I've led, it's like, okay, I've got to say no to this. Yeah. Like, I know they're not going to like it, but I've got to say, no, we can't do that. Maybe the it's thing, the 360 no, right? Yeah, it's the saying, thing I always pair it with and the thing that I've found success with is if you pair that no with a why, right. people might not like it, but they at least can connect the dots. Because I go back to developers are logical people. Right. They work with logic all day long. Right. So if I can present them with a logical why, I get they don't like so it. So that would be one of those principles I was talking about. Yeah. Why? Yeah. So when in doubt, explain why. Yeah, absolutely. Right? And that would be one of those sort of low-end things. The power of the retro, I don't know if we – so, I'm, again, I'm, I'm yeah. filling – I'm trying to answer the, the white paper thing. I'm not sure we, we, we really talk in terms of the power of reflection. Forget retro. Retrospective, it's, it's, it, it's emblematic of uh, a ceremony. And I'm thinking maybe the power, the power of introspection, the power of thoughtfulness. We can do it in a retro, mm-hmm. or we can do it individually, mm-hmm. like we reflect on ourselves. But the power of reflection—it's again one of these principles. I, I think we—I don't know if we've talked about sort of, you know, large retros, small retros, team retros, organizational retros. We talked about that in the stream a little bit, but I think that notion of reflection at multiple levels, continuous improvement, right? And how do you drive strategies out of that? I'm not sure we've given that good service as well over time. 
No, and the, and that's the I think a lot of people go through the motions and retrospectives. We've talked a little bit. So that's about part of what retros. I'm saying is, yeah. Little, but there's so many people that they go through the motions and it takes a good agile coach to kind of hold them and keep them focused on it and not let them get off easy. Well, there's I, so like, many anti-patterns here. Like, right. did you ever run into fo- t- some teams like they like to find games? So they 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 our retros are boring. Yeah. So they, in order to spice them up, we need to get all of these different games in play, and and I I love the spiciness of it, but but at the same time, spicing the retro isn't the point. Yeah. Continuous improvement is the point. Well, and so here's the thing: there's so many times when I'm coaching new teams and they start in the retrospective, and they want to do it anonymously and they want to do it with stickies and they don't want people to hear what they're saying. And I say no. We're not going to do that because the value is us together right. building a safe environment where we can challenge each other. We can say the difficult things that need to be said. If we allow it to be just on stickies, we aren't really tackling the real problem. Right. We aren't really tackling the lack of communication that's out there. We're sidestepping it to make a ceremony work. Right. When in re- reality, the underlying issue is you guys aren't willing to talk to each other. So Agile's never going to work. So I end up using the retrospective as that thing that starts to drive that appropriate behavior of good, safe, professional communication. Right. Because people, again, they want to play the game. They want to take the easy way out. They just want to get it done. They want to do that checkbox. Right. Yeah, I did a retro. Cool. We did it. Right. I mean, talk about results. Talk about driving change. There's, There's meat to that. We we talked in the stream too about like so, and it's related to the inside job, but like learning and coaching. We could there's this situationalness to coach. One of the things I think I don't know if we've ever done it, and I don't know if we can. I don't know if the format is we can, but it would be interesting for you and I to do some role play sometimes. And what I'm saying is, instead of saying be a coach, we we've told in the metacast lots of stories, right? Wonderful we're, we're, Bob we're, is so scary. What waterfall Bob was so scary, but we've we've done a lot. We've done a pretty good job of storytelling yeah. and the real stories and not making it up, but maybe simulating. There's this dojo format that I've used for coaching where mm-hmm. we could have a scenario and then we we could role play for five minutes, like you to me, and then we could flip it. The point's not the role play. The point is showing people like how to say no right. or or retrospective. The team is resisting retrospective. What does that look like? Uh, I think there's more of a practical. Is the metacast telling or can we can we show? Mm-hmm. Can we somehow pull people in? The stream is a little bit actually the coaching dynamic would be pretty cool on the stream. Mm-hmm. Do you know what it because yeah. people could interact with us as well. Oh, that's a really good idea. So do a role playing and the have role them play be... in the role plays. Oh yeah, that's interesting. Right. So okay. we could we could do or they could interact and they could sort of make adjustments. They could we, be the team. Yeah, or something. <laughs> yeah, they could throw those curveballs at you. Or or, or yeah. we could do it, but yeah. we're getting feedback from them. Right. Yeah, I got you. Okay. I guess when I'm, I'm not picking on the coaching, it's you know, it's can we in the white paper how do we flip it if we can to more learning, more situational learning, so we can show people rather so move from telling to showing. Right. Uh and we can't always do that. No, yeah, that's an interesting concept. Yeah, that could work. And it's dangerous for us, right? It would be us putting our, I mean, yeah. we'd be taking risks. We'd be, uh, we'd be suffering with imposter. I mean, yeah. it would be a challenge for us. That, so we talked about imposter 
syndrome. And that's why waterfall Bob scared the crap out of me. Right. Cause I'm like, Holy cow. Like this, I'm putting in front of these, however many thousands of people are going to listen to this. Right. And they're going to hear me coach on the fly. Right. And do I really know what I'm doing? And I know Bob's going to throw me some right. nasty curveballs. Right. and Holy crap. Maybe that's go. an area that we start shifting a yeah. little bit more like in that. with the streaming or something, not full time. I still like the debate yeah. and the hand waving and the argument and the topical coverage, but yeah. Can we can we sort we can of shift towards up, yeah. more, more showing? I like that. That's all I had for the white the things that are good. missing. Yeah. I think they're per, I think we're I think we're solid sort of in the tactical realm, right? And and sort of tactics and maybe strategies, etc. But that's the that's the execution. Like I think about things I've complained about in the past and things that I've brought up is things that frustrate me about coaching. So I'll use sports as an example. Um, my son plays baseball and one of the things that bothers me is somebody tells him to throw harder or to throw better or right. to, you know, hit right. the kid in the chest. It's like, okay, but you're not actually informing him the adjustments he needs to make to make that happen. Right. Like just telling somebody to do better exactly. without showing them how. So I think those, those hows are the things that we're talking about. People don't focus on the how enough and maybe it's because people don't understand right like me as a coach like i i i couldn't tell my kid how to throw better right so what did i do i went out and studied i bought books i watched youtube i figured all that out and now i can say okay here's the adjustment that you need to make because i didn't want to be that coach was just like come on jimmy throw better exactly exactly those same things of really understanding the how okay makes a difference so do you think we covered it the question Well, Metacasters, streamers, dreamers, <laughs> from beautiful downtown Cary, North Carolina. I'm Josh Anderson. And I'm Bob Galen. Jake. And Bake. Take, Take care, care of y'all. y'all.